the battle for hearts and minds. Well, I'm not quite sure it will ever go away. These are the hardest times. Some are victims of these so-called liberated days. And if you think there's more to life, social work, cats and rocket science, and change your friends. And if you really can't decide between social work, cats and rocket science, and we're your friends. Hello and welcome to the Social Work Cats Rocket Science podcast, another in the series. Uh, I'm Brian Mitchell, your hostess with the mostess. Oh, well, I've got something, not quite. Let's not go there. Uh, do you want to introduce yourselves? Oh, we'll start that side of the room. It's oh, okay. Starting with me. So I'm uh, Rob Mitchell. I'm Brian's son. Um, <laughs> I'm principal social worker for Bradford. That's how I got the job. <laughs> Confirm the rumours. Yeah. Elaine? Um, I'm distancing myself from both my Belmont Mitchell colleagues. I'm Elaine James, uh, and and yes, I'm a co-author from the book. I'm Ian Burgess. I'm the Mental Capacity Act lead at Bradford. Good, good. And we've someone missing, haven't we? You said. Um, oh yeah. We've, so we've got we've got a big shout out before we do. Yeah, we're coming. Yeah, Fazila Hafaji is our usual podcaster we've got an empty chair an empty chair she's not here yeah. and she's not here so she's she's unable to make it today um, but uh, I think she wants a random song choice just because if you remember last time she went with Rocky do you remember the <laughs> Eye of the Tiger so <laughs> do you remember that no, so, do you remember it it's difficult <laughs> to forget that one <laughs> yeah so hello to Fazila sorry you couldn't make today but yeah, we haven't forgotten you and she'll be at the next one She'll be at the next one, definitely. And we've a special guest. Woo! So, special guest. Do you want to introduce yourself? Thank you very much. Yes, I'm Catherine Morn. I'm the CPD Manager for Adult Social Work. I work alongside Rob, Elaine and Ian. And I've known you, Brian, for far longer than we care to remember um, she's what we like to call Lady Morn so just to set the scene a little bit Catherine is properly the most kind of classy lady I know and her hair this afternoon is extremely immaculate she's sat beautifully with proper etiquette in her chair and uh, look compared with the rest of us I mean it's hot and sticky down here in the middle of the hottest week of the year so far I'm I'm feeling very much um, very much out of my comfort zone really it's almost like having an aristocrat in the room Lady Mom. What we've decided that one of the things we were going to do with all the guests that we invited in was ask them the very first question, the inaugural question. (laughs) Why did you choose social work? Why on earth did you choose social work? Well, can I just shock you? I'm not a social worker. No. What? Um, Yes, sorry. It's been a mistake. It's been a massive mistake. Let's start again. Sorry. we can what? edit that bit out. <laughs> you probably want to edit most of this. I'm sure fair. it's in your essential criteria. I'm yeah. just wondering how we appointed you. 
<laughs> so my professional background is as a teacher. Oh no! I know. No. I, I'm, no. You know, yeah. Sorry. And my parents were teachers. I'm. I'm with Catherine. Lady Mon must be given her chance to speak. Obviously. <laughs> Thank you, Elaine. Um, so yeah, professional background was teaching. Um, very unfortunately and very sadly, was made redundant after a number of years um, as an infant teacher. Didn't quite know what to do. Went into private sector um, supporting long-term unemployed adults to get back into work with skills and training so still a sort of training element to it and then one day I saw on my journey to um, to work I saw an advert for a qualification development officer post um, at Calderdale Council and right. I thought I might be able to do that um, and I did got the job that's where I met you Brian taught me everything I needed to know about social work in in about 20 minutes um, and that was 2000 <laughs> is that an option Brian so what did you do for the other 18 minutes <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know 20 minutes was an option like, why did you miss that the inductions were fairly intense in those days <laughs> um, and since then yeah moved on from Calderdale to Sheffield and then nearly four years ago now um, joined Bradford in adult services working alongside my esteemed colleagues Um, and as they all know and as most people who know me know love every minute of it yeah Um, you were you were as I recall one of the you were in one of those those first teaching partnerships weren't you you were part of one of the very first teaching partnerships yes with my colleagues in Sheffield they were one of the early adopters of the now sort of national um, project for teaching partnerships Um, so yeah brought a lot of those skills thank you very much Sheffield with me to to Bradford and and the teaching partnership that we're in now um, alongside the college and the university so you know worked with other colleagues to to implement that yeah I mean thank you Sheffield teaching partnership but not as good as Bradford social work teaching come on well it's not edge our bets here all right don't alienate the listener the the, the one one listener we have might be Sheffield based yeah you never know my family are from Sheffield Mm. Um, would you, I feel like I'm alienated more than anyone in this one. My granddad was from Peniston and the nan was from Sheffield and uh, Sheffield Steelmakers. Uh, so they were. Uh, we've got loads and loads of knives and forks uh, that were gifts from my grandparents. That's good. That's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. Well uh, done. So. Yeah. So yeah. All right. So. Uh, so at this at this juncture, then it feels right for me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you would all agree. It feels right that we should have a tune. Yeah. A tune? Yes. Yeah, now. So, because you brought a list of tunes with yeah. you. <laughs> the stress is real. As soon as Rob said, would I, you know, kind of make a guest appearance, um, although I'd be here every time if I could, but, you know. Um, and it's like, but you need a song. I'm like, the pressure, the pressure of the song. And it's, it's the thing that I've stressed about the most. I don't know what you're worried about, because as social workers, we are non Non-judgmental. <laughs> yes. About everything apart from your song. <laughs> yeah, everything apart from my song. So I had, I made a list, and you know, those of you who know me, I'm organised, methodical. I like my lists and things. And I had to make a list of songs, and I actually only decided on the definite which one I was choosing um, earlier today, earlier this morning. All right. Do you want to know what it is? Yes. 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 Go, yeah, there's go. a lot of suspense there. I would love to hear, and I think this is challenging for Zila for banger of the year, basing. And I would very much like everybody to rock out to Warren Zevon and Werewolves of London. Ow! I'm. St- 
The best ever choice. Seriously speechless. The best. I know. When I saw it on a list, seriously like, speechless. Now, there's. I, I love that song anyway. Tell us. I love it, but my husband would say that the only reason I like it is because it appeared in a certain film with a certain actor. Oh, okay. Do you want? Can we? Can we name the? film? You can have a guess if you want. You might know the actor, but yeah. Um, Layer cake. No. Oh no, no, not that actor. Uh, Michael J. Actor. Fox. No. But, oh. I was going to say, is it not Teenage Werewolf? No. No, but he was in, wasn't he Teenage teenage Werewolf? Teenage, Teen Wolf, Teen Wolf. No, it's not that. Oh. And if I do get this wrong, I may have to check this before this goes out, but I'm sure. It's the the thing that's set in Scarborough, wherever it is. Oh, no. Unless it is. The country pub. (laughs) I'm I'm feeling this may be losing my American American Werewolf in London. No, one of my other choices was Bad Moon Rising by Creedence Clearwater Revival, but I didn't go with that. I went with this. But this song is featured in the film The Colour of Money, starring Paul Newman and the absolute (laughs) god that is Tom Cruise. Fab, this is Werewolves of London, (laughs) Warren Seven. Doing the werewolves of London 
I saw Lon Chaney Jr. walking with the Queen Doing the werewolves of London I saw a werewolf drinking a pina colada at Trader Vic's And his hair was perfect Uh, that was Werewolves of London, Warren Zevon. Tune. Tune. I mean, I was never worried tune. about your choices. They didn't even make the shortlist, Brian. I wouldn't do that to you. I know. When you say they, let's not mention let's them. Let's not mention them. They, we're beyond that. They, he has another hit, doesn't he? Something mm. about messing things up. My, and... my stuff is, is misplaced. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, go and check that out. Uh, we were going to chat about safeguarding. The theme for this podcast was safeguarding, I, I do believe. Well, I, I think we can start well with um, a, a segued link from Werewolves of London on the theme of safeguarding because um, werewolves, vampires, all that, the Bram Circle connections that you were talking about, and um, I just think there's a, a quite an interesting um, link across there to what becomes the single most... Um, important feminist issue around safeguarding, which is young women's right to have sex. Okay, I mean, I'm trying to make the um, link. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm all right with it, with what you're saying. The link I'm lost with. I'm not, it doesn't matter what I think. You read matter. that literature properly, and then it'll be extremely clear to Will you it? why it's relevant. Yeah, nearly all that literature is around violations of women's it rights. Is. And no, about, mm, I love that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I absolutely Witches. love. You know what? It's only when yeah, you think about the women, subtlety of that yeah. that you're right. Of women are demonised as witches, and they, whereas men are powerful beings who come in and penetrate and violate women's bodies. I mean, it's I a really think interesting this, way of thinking about it, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, oh, very uncomfortable, the language as I well. I wouldn't be doing about that. <laughs> it's got very warm in here. No, I absolutely take your point. Although, never, I've got to be honest, doesn't matter which Dracula you, you pick, never really a fan of any of the actors that, that chose to... The most weird role. one was, did you see the remake that they did? was really recently where they, it was a, a BBC production of Dracula. Oh, and they, who was that? Yeah. Oh, God, that's... Very strange. He looked like your dad. Not your, yes, not your did dad. Like, well, I didn't mean he, he, your, looked like he looked like somebody's dad. He didn't look like Dracula. He just looked like a bloke no. that had been out at the no, pub. No, Gary and then Oldman looked like the mm. perfect Dracula. While we're talking about kind of film stars, that, that was who, what you imagined Dracula to look like. That would be the thing. So Here's an interesting fact, right? Gary Oldman... Oldman and Gary Newman separated by about 14 days. Birthdays. Oh. And both called Gary. Gary Newman was born for... No, no Gary, Gary Oldman is younger than Gary Newman. Gary Oldman? Is it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are talking... I was going to put on a, a Newman T-shirt today, but now Newman means something else, like the adverts on telly. Oh, yes. So, is it? Yeah, I didn't want to Google it. Yes. Um, mm. Is this yeah. a safeguarding issue? <laughs> it could be. It's... <laughs> So, yeah, I don't want to walk around with a T-shirt that says Newman on it because it looks like I'm advertising a certain product. It's all relevant because it's that idea of kind of safeguarding being really socially constructed. Mm. So what do we mean by keeping people safe? It's, mm. a, it's a really cultural thing, mm. safeguarding, actually. Um, I, I mean, obviously, that's the, 
you look at kind of different cultures and different communities and different interpretations of what the boundaries are around safe and safety and um, how you how we manage risk and how we work with people to own their own risk. Yeah. Uh, to what extent do we think that what we're here to do is to protect and defend and you know close all the curtains to keep the witches out on a night and mm. burn them at the stake if, if we find these women who stray and um, and demonise them? Mm. Um, they're kind of really interesting questions about kind of where... Mm. Why is it such a taboo subject? Why are we so worried about about mm. women who are old enough to give consent. So that's a really important first step. And around where the bar lies. It's, it's relevant at the moment, Ian, isn't it? Because there's some really interesting case law going through the High Court about redefining and retesting where the barrier sits. The barriers around consent to sexual relations is a really complex area of law. And it's currently being tested again in the courts, isn't it? Uh, well, we're still waiting for the Supreme Court. The, yeah. the judgments will come out anyway, yeah. But um, Ray JB, if I remember rightly. Yeah. But we're still waiting for that. That was an issue all about consent, though. That was about whether mm. the other person has to consent. So it's not just about a person being a, a thing who can either consent to sex or not. It's about the person actually making a decision and engaging in it in sexual relations. Mm. Um, and that means the other person consenting as well and mm. the other person having capacity to consent, which that's the bit that alarms me. Because yeah. you start talking about mm. people understanding the other person's got to have capacity to consent to sex. Well, most people who in general in the public don't know what capacity means no um, so you have to but we're waiting for it to be published on uh, Bailey so it's not it's not out yet mm. the judgement so it was in the Supreme Court though uh, was it on the 15th was it the, when's the 15th I remember I don't know well it's, it's, it's well, no, interesting this is why it's a big dilemma for the court it's yeah. the thing that they on the one on the court they don't want to come crashing into the private lives of people by setting the bar too high and saying these are the rules and also at the same time they recognise that it's a, a visceral decision it's, yeah, exactly. it's just something that mm. you can't be there with a, a pen and paper doing an assessment no um, but that, and, that, and that's the thing for me because that, that's that's kind of my my issue with safeguarding is that othering that goes with it so, yeah. so for us outside of health mm. and social care mm. who might go to the pub and might have loads to drink and might end up in a, a, a sexual relationship the, the, there isn't any police there the safeguarding police within health and social care I think is is the is the, where the other end kind of starts and, mm. and finishes, really, and and that's my that's my problem with saying a mess because it's tried to do too much for too few people, mm. and in the end, it's kind of we've we've all got kind of caught up in a a bit of a spider's web. So I I think from my my first experience of kind of adult safeguarding or when kind of risk and things like that in social work became badged as adult protection and safeguarding were kind of back in kind of 2000 no, no secrets and I think that that was probably a well intended direction for us to, to, to go down and then I, I just think that we kind of lost our way I think one of the first things that we did because it was new in adults in terms of making it a uh, outside of elder abuse as it was called it was the first time we began to categorise um, abuse of, uh, of adults is that I think because we didn't know what we were doing um, we went down a children's model because we yeah. thought that must be right well it isn't right for a start off and there's lots of real huge distinctions between um, children's legislation and adults legislation um, so I think that that kind of put us down the wrong um, path to, to start with and then we began to, to kind of follow it we, or, or put slogans alongside it so we'd say things like safeguarding is everyone's business in adults 
Well, no, it isn't. If you're involved in any part of supporting anybody who's been abused in health and social care, you know that that's that's really unhelpful. That kind of that kind of language. But I think it's kind of fed in to this thing that actually safeguarding in adults is everybody's business. Therefore, regardless of anybody's role, knowledge, insight into a particular situation that's occurred, everybody feels that it needs to be reported and it needs to kind of be made a thing of. And the real kind of problem that I have with, with safeguarding is that the reports that are made about safeguarding go to the lo- go to the local authority in the first instance. Now, if the example I think we gave this on Twitter uh, a, a few weeks ago, if somebody were to thump you on a bus, um, you'd be likely to phone the police. If someone were to thump you and you were sat with a carer because you're on your way to a health and social care setting you'd be likely to phone the local authority. And in terms of that kind of rights-based stuff and that, that natural justice stuff, it starts there for me. The other end starts there for, for me. But I don't blame people who kind of caught, who were caught up in all this because I just think it's 20 years of a, of a mess. And that's where we're at. Yeah, I, I, I would offer that it probably needs to go further back than that because... I'm not sure I fully understand what safeguard the word. I'm no. not sure that the word helps. No. I think we've got that wrapped in using that word. That it's sort of those that as a term of explaining what we do, that it's become, it feels like quite an elitist thing. So, yeah. you know, probably going to say something that's not going to be popular, but some social workers seem to thrive on the idea of safeguarding. That blue light thing yeah. seems yeah. to... Rescuing. Absolutely. That bit about getting quickly and save people. There's that bit, but then there's this other bit about... We did a, a bit of work, with a comparative work, with some students in Norway, and they didn't know what safeguarding was. It's not a term that they would have used. There's a whole different way of explaining risk and staying safe. And I like that bit. I like the bit about let's not use language that's alarmist, but I, I, I can't remind you. Well, it comes out of that idea, doesn't it, that you can manage risk, mm. whereas people are humans, so can you mm. manage people in that yeah. way? And that you can... And the, the kind of technical rationality of the idea that you can manage anything anywhere this idea that somehow you can kind of grind it down and categorize it and decide that if you tick xyz and that 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 is now people work Mm. it's not a particularly human way of thinking about people and about what drives and motivates them and if if anything i suppose that what sticks in my head is you run the risk of making people less safe yeah but there is something here about a person's right to choose isn't there you know if we're not careful we will spiral out of control with loads of negative things about staying safe and safeguarding yeah but i suppose the antithesis to that is is freedom of choice the right to make the right to make decisions that others see unwise and to allow yourself to explore that yeah. temptation is a positive thing in life oh oh i love this so i'm going to push you on Oh, I'm going to push you then on your right to choose a song. Oh, well, you see, there's only one possible song that could follow from that, and it is properly one of my top five of all time. Heaven 17, Temptation. No. Love it. Oh, my God. And it's got the Sheffield link. Yeah, let's keep the Sheffield link in. Yeah, oh, <laughs> well, oh it's we're committed now. We're, we're committed now. to the Sheffield yeah, link. Yeah, I'm sorry, but my family... Ian's going to have to think something from the full Monty when it gets to his choice. <laughs> if you could think of a tune, though, Ian, not the dancing. Yeah, this is Heaven 17 and Temptation. Temptation. <gasps>
never been closer I tried to understand That sudden feeling Carved by another's hand But it's too late to hesitate We can't keep on living like this
It's an 80s classic, isn't it? It's an 80s yeah. banger. Yeah. You know what I mean? Straight in there with... Oh, keep us strong. Um, take, go on, don't leave me on my own now. You were singing your heart out a minute ago. Um, so that this is nicely. Lead us not into temptation. You know, it gently reminds me of, though, uh, Evan 17 and that whole thing. That, you know, that, remember what were they called? That man with the gold suit on who did. Um, Oh, ABC. Oh, yeah. If you judge look the look love. by the lover, yeah. then you judge. If you judge <laughs> the book by the cover, then, then you, you judge the look by the lover. Possibly the worst lyric ever written, oh, I which I find astonishing because that jacket that he wore and that whole ABC thing, you know, they weren't the greatest thing, were they? I think he was taking a risk, to be honest with you. What was he called? The man who sang it. Martin Fry. Martin Fry. I think he was taking a massive risk calling his band ABC. Then I thought he was taking a massive risk wearing a gold lame thingy suit. And then an even bigger risk with if you judge the book by <laughs> the cover, then you just look by the lover. I think that's risky behaviour the, right there. The problem is, is that when it came to social work, cats and rocket science, we were begging people to judge a book by his cover. We, did, we didn't want people to read the content because the cover and the title are the best thing <laughs> now that isn't true either is it because again going back to one of the stories that really resonated with the German students this year was the stuff about you know choice being taken away and sex yeah you know I can't remember the woman's name but that that story about there was a real resonance for a lot of the students that heard that when you came on and you did the the guest lecture with the German students from Bielefeld about yeah. uh, and they couldn't understand and that there was in the reflective narrative that they re then wrote afterwards there was a real sense of outrage about what how does that happen yeah there's, there's, um, so that's from colleagues in Hertfordshire that's uh, Mark Harvey um, one of the contributors to the to the book of course who um, who, who, who talked about this, this real life story about um, a young woman who was joining the learning disability team young, young woman with a learning disability who was coming to talk to the team on any particular day and it's a series of text messages that he gets yeah. where she's basically saying that she can't she can't meet with them and it ends up that the reason that she can't meet is because she's going out and seeing a, a guy that she's met on online um, they have sex um, and the upshot is is that there's a safeguarding alert raised as a result of of, of that uh, liaison and it the thing that gets me about that is that um there's a few things it's really really powerful but we talk to students about that um, all the time and as you say the German students kind of really tuned into it and most students do we, t we tell we tell that, that that story and we get a lot of learning from that we then go into um, there's a play by Alan Bennett called Last of the Sun which we really love because it's really provocative oh, I saw it's a really provocative mm -hmm. piece it's, it's pretty much the last thing she recorded before she died it's yeah really and so she's an, old, an older person in a, in a care home who's having this visitor and the visitor is um, is having some kind of sexual relationship uh, with her uh, to which she is absolutely consenting by, by the way but it's always really interesting when, when we have the conversation People are quite rightly outraged by what happens uh, to the first person, the young person with a learning disability. Less so when it comes to the outrage of, of the per Dolly who's in the, the nursing home. Now, people still feel that it's wrong, but the struggle to actually believe that it's a fully consenting relationship. 
And I always find that kind of dead interesting. I always say to students, I really want you to be outraged by both because yeah. they're both an absolute uh, abuse. The fact that we're not outraged by by the fact that you know we we can't actually comprehend somebody in a nursing home no. having any kind of sexual relationship. No. So we're not, we're not in just... that sense though. We're not redefining age, are we? We still traditionally think. Uh, what I think is really interesting about the age stuff is this bit about retirement and 65 because or 68 or whatever age it now is. That at that point you are redundant. There's not there's nothing left of you. Uh-huh. Somehow your life is over and actually in a lot of the a lot of the sort of popular films and uh, and plays that have been written they're all about reclaiming life at 65 and doing love I think there's is there that bucket list thing about yeah. yeah I want to tick this off and you know there's all that traditional nonsense for some of those male characters about owning a Harley Davidson and whatever and whatever but what those films are actually doing is redefining that age is not a precursor to living and I think that's where we're at with some of the age stuff, isn't it? Some of yeah. the age stuff. It's really we still traditionally the, think about yeah. age as being life over at 65. I think it's really telling about social workers practicing it, and it's it, it's something Catherine and I talk about a lot because the um, the student profile, the who attract who is attracted into social work, that um, by, by nature, it, yes, young people come into social work practice, but you also it's a really diverse student cohort, isn't it, yes, Catherine? It is, yeah. Yeah, and from your in terms of kind of your role, you very much focus around that support, the kind of motivations, the what is it that tempted people into social work practice is a really interesting yeah. question. It is, and, and sometimes it is personal experience. They they want to give something back to the profession because they've had that support. Other times, you know, it is that you know we're certainly doing some of the interviews for potential students at the you know the HEIs that we link with. It's it's that kind of you know. They, they do want to help and they don't mean just help in terms of like we've said rescuing and all of that it's a genuine we want to try and make people's lives better in the best way that we can um and i think some of the best answers that, that we've had to that you know is about actually but what can they do to do that you know it's not about putting all those i've got all the answers for you but i want to help you and support you and i want to help these people who maybe have been um sidelined by society or however you want to describe it but actually make their lives better yeah i did once interview a, a person for a social work course and she came and she said um we said, why do you want to be a social worker? She said, well, I thought about being a nurse originally, but I don't, she said, I don't like blood. I'm not good with blood. I'm a bit squeamish. Then I thought I'd join the police force, uh, but I don't like violence and confrontation. So I thought I'd be a social worker. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, you're exactly what we want. You know, so, um, shouldn't get on the course. Um, I, I, I'm feeling that we've not had enough Sheffield in this show for a while. Really? Um, yeah. Just how I'm feeling. Are no, you, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of so looking. So you, you want a bit of Sheffield? What, for the song choice? Yeah, well, well, I was listening. Yeah, um, I was. I was thinking on the way up. What's the pl- what's the listen? And it's uh, an album track by the Human League, uh, but it's the old Human League before they before the fame and the glory. Before the crap version of Human League. <laughs> what, what, what is there a crap? Ver- I, th- I think. I think. Don't you want me, baby? Whatever that thing was. I think that was a bit crap. I mean, I know it went to number one and all that, but being boiled and all that stuff. Yeah, that was it, ace. It's that era. When he had the air cut. Yeah, it's that era. So it's 1979. Um, it's a song called "Blind Youth," and it's an anti-punk polemic. It's really rails against the the Sex Pistols for all that no future nonsense. Sorry, Brian. But, livid. Um, I'm livid. I, I know. Uh, <laughs> It's 45 years ago, I should let it go really, shouldn't I? Um, 
but it was really a post-war that no future stuff. So it's saying about it's about hope. It's a, it's, a, it's an anthem, an anthem for hope. But it also contains it's my favourite Human League song. But it contains, I think, the worst lyric ever. So you mentioned ABC. <laughs> it's a great song. It's it's uplifting, but it's got the lyric, dehumanisation is such a big word. It's been around since Richard the <laughs> Third. <No. laughs> Potentially the worst lyric ever, but it's a great song. It's a great song. Listen That's out for that lyric. This is the Human League. That's melting. That was the Human League and Blind Youth. Cracking lyric. <laughs> Cracking lyrics. You know, like some people can just rhyme a couplet, can't they? Clearly, those 
those people couldn't. I'm just thinking, bearing in mind that this has become a Sheffield <laughs> show, <laughs> we need to give a shout out to um, our colleague, don't we, at um, CQ, at Social Work England, um, because, um, is it Amina? So Amina is doing a, she said that she will be listening to this podcast when she's doing the Sheffield Half Marathon. I'm sure it is, yeah. So she'll be Running. about, so what are we, we're, we're kind of, 30 minutes in yeah. she'll be just about finished no she won't be just about finished oh, but she'll be she doing she's another two hours to oh, so we need to stick with it I mean yeah. you're nearly there yes. we're all with you I mean and the other person that we need to give a shout out to the lovely Liz Howard um, oh, Sheffield's oh. finest is also Sheffield's finest um, so hi Liz just a little hi little Liz to you as well I met Liz I was doing my BIA course in 2009 and we run the same course back then that was so long ago She's she's great and she's so positive about everything. She yeah, she's yeah. brilliant. She's brilliant is Liz. So um yeah, human league then. Mm. Good. Good yeah. good lyric. Very happy. What was the one about toast? Well I was just saying that um that that um <laughs> that lyric's up there. With with Desiree, um if I can get this right, she doesn't want to see a ghost. It's the site that she fears most, good. actually. She'd uh, rather grab a piece of toast and watch the evening news. <laughs> Can you imagine writing that and thinking, no. that'll do. <laughs> happy with that. I think I that think feels like a that'll do kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. It's novello it winning, isn't it? Yeah. It's late in the day, isn't it? It's like when you've just about had enough, it's like, I'm just, I'm going to submit. It's like we've, submitting an we've assignment. We've literally all been there. Yeah. With the, I've reached the point where I'm not editing that I'm again. Editing That'll it. do. That's not going spell in. Check it. It's just, yeah. going, just in. going in. That will I'll do. I'll take the hit with the get it and um, proofread before you submit. Yeah. Lose a few marks. Get it done. Yeah. And just taking it back to my previous life, it's the same as a story ending with. And then I woke up. Oh, oh. your kids, your kids write that, don't they? Oh. Yeah. Almost one of my favourite. That's that's in its oh Dallas defined. Yeah, it, Dallas, it? Dallas, it was all a dream. Scene. It was all a dream. Yeah, yeah. Bobby Ewing. That's fine. That was, Dallas that is fine. Brilliant. As if Bobby Ewing in the shower doesn't create enough of a risk for the image this is consuming. Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, so uh, back to safeguarding then. So it would seem that there's this heavy spiral downwards if we're not careful in the way we think about people staying safe but I suppose we go back the antithesis to that is this the idea of rights human rights and, and rights based practice taking. yeah so the, that idea about kind of positive say, person-centered planning and the the whole approach to kind of person's safety planning yeah we you when you work in whatever age you work with I want positive risk-taking person-centered approaches to to risk in the end unless somebody chooses unless somebody owns it unless somebody believes and wants to be different then they're just going to keep repeating the same mistakes so one of the you and I have talked a lot about and um, there's a, a lady that um, we've supported over the years and um, going back um, Brian who um, her, her daughter's case was always look my mum just makes a succession of bad decisions about men mm. and she was on the ceiling about she's with yet another man who's wrong that woman for 80 years made a series of successions of bad decisions about men as other people conceived mm. it mm. it's part of how she lives her life what makes you think you're going to make a series of different decisions now there's one of my favourite bits of case law is about this sparkling lives I love sparkling lives it's a really really relevant bit of kind of case Laurie and but it makes it sound like really jolly wasn't it? the woman was desperately unhappy yeah 
Um, yeah. Sorry to put the downer on it. No, no, but, no, it's but true. she was. But it's, it's the she, reality of social work. She said her life. Yeah, I mean that was. She, she said her life had lost its spark when she got breast cancer. She did. And she didn't want to live anymore. Um, and so she. We don't know who she is. Um, we only know her as C. But she tried to take her own life. I think she took a, an overdose of paracetamol. Unfortunately for her, she woke up in hospital needing dialysis four times a week as the last thing she wanted. Um, and so the hospital trusts were right. They went to court saying that she lacked the capacity to, because she wanted to end all the, she didn't, she wanted to stop the dialysis, which would have killed her. And the, the hospital trust went, took her to court, which was the right thing to do. They argued that she lacked capacity. The judge said, no, she's got capacity. So ultimately it's a very unwise decision. And it's this whole thing about how we hold life to be sacrosanct. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and it's not how, we, and this is the thing we think a lot, and I'm going to go off track slightly, but I was talking to someone the other day about, we call it a caring profession. And I said, but we're not being paid to care because how we feel is irrelevant. Yeah. And how we feel about that woman wanting to end her life is irrelevant. Mm. It's her life. Mm. And that's the, that's the issue with, with, for the court. And the court said she's capacitous and as a result she, she died very soon after, which is a terribly sad story. Sorry, Catherine. It's all right. I always forget that we might talk about stuff that's going to make me cry. Yeah. That's why I can't be a social worker. I just sit crying all day. Yeah. Sorry. Um, um, that particular court case is that I always think that it wasn't an unwise decision to her and to many other people. So she'd got a, you know, sparkling life. She got a sparkling life on one hand, but then faced with life-saving uh, treatment. But but um, if it, you know, invasive. That wasn't the option for her. That no. that 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 took the sparkle out of life. So it was actually for her. Mm. It was the most sensible, the most wise decision that she could possibly have have, it really have made. Strange, isn't it? If someone's in a in a hospital and they want to go home, that's considered an unwise decision by many. Mm. It's like you should be going into a nursing home. Mm. Um, and so the moment somebody says, "I want to go," if somebody says, you know, to the to the doctor, for instance. Um, Yes, doctor, I'll go to a nursing home. Yeah, she's capacitous then. Yeah. Um, but if she says, I want to go home, yeah. and, uh, and even then we say, it's an unwise, why on earth would that be an unwise decision? Mm -hmm. um, and we know from the safeguarding work that actually choosing to go home and not go into a care setting, from a safeguarding perspective, is this one of the safest decisions that you can make. We know mm -hmm. we know where, where abuse takes. We can dress it up and we can say that, you know, it's, it's not the case. I know where most of my Section 42 work has been throughout my career. Yeah. And it's been, in, it's been in social care, health and social care settings. Yeah. Yeah. Hasn't been in, yes, of course, in people's homes, it happen, abuse can happen. But I know where it's rife. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? And and the more you you discuss risk and staying safe, the more you realise you're up against the cl you know that it feels to me the climate in terms of morality has leapt so far right that those discussions about someone taking their own life and the right to take their own life they become they were difficult before, but I reckon now they're even more difficult because of this this leap towards the right about life and the sanctity of life and all those discussions that that they're having in america about you know pro-life and all that business they feel to have filtered down into a lot of the discussions we have i think it feels that way to me so the morality of it becomes quite critical in terms of uh, uh, a balanced dialogue or an unbalanced dialogue <laughs> 
Yeah, incredibly difficult, especially when they get the pressure off other people. So it's, if you don't do this to this, if you don't put this person yeah. in care on your head, be it. Yeah. Um, I'll be going to the press, I'll, and these are the, and for a social worker to do that, to stick the head above the parapet and to actually really stand by the person and say, yeah. this is what the person wants. I'm going to advocate with and for that person. Yeah. Um, to do that against all that flack is really, really yeah. difficult. I think it's it's a it's a big deal, and some. You see some so I see some new social workers are absolutely cracking with it. Just they just they're unfazed by it. Mm. Uh, they're just so centered on the individual and they know the law. And this is the thing: if you know, if if it's legal, lawful practice, you have got nothing to worry about really. Yeah. Um, you got a defensible position if you follow the law. It's when you start doing the opposite. It's when you start doing what someone else has told you to do. Yeah. Because um, again, we get this quite a bit, don't we? You, you end up you can end up firing other people's bullets for them. Someone else has got a concern and they're pressuring the worker to do something, the worker then does that thing, it's not that person who's held to account. Yeah. Mm. Do you know, is this making sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like my mum, if when I was a kid, if I did something wrong, I'd say, well, uh, uh, Rob told me to do it. And she'd say, if he told us to jump out of a window, would you? So, um, Probably. Um, yeah. It, it, it balances out like a crisis in the profession, though, doesn't it? Because you, um, you, that idea of professional identity and about what do I bring, what's my unique contribution, mm. that understanding a really deep understanding of human rights legal frameworks and human rights in practice the so what question about what does that mean i now need to do differently what are the practicable steps that i need to take mm. to ensure every intervention is necessary and proportionately the least restrictive as a foundational way of thinking about practice is a really helpful way to carve out mm. space for social work in a really crowded environment where lots of other people are really confident about the the knowledge base and the evidence base that sits behind and protects yeah. their professional identity. So for social work, rights-based social work, it's place within that spectrum of options about how you choose to practice actually for me feels like a protective bubble around allowing social work to have space to then be relational mm. really good social work practice is always going to be about social relationships and social relations but to have the space to do that and for it not just to be re re described as genericism good support work it that framework for practice around it's really important and it's why every local authority and every trust should have have an ian they need a a, a guardian oh, <laughs> they need a guardian, a, a practice leadership down. role that protects and retire? defends um, lawful human rights-based practice. It's a really important yeah. function of leadership and management in social work. Can I, can I redress the balance, though, every yeah. local authority should also have a lady board as oh, well? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Only right, in it. One of the biggest things that Catherine has has really done about changing the culture of practice for me is you protect, I mean, we keep talking about this kind of idea about protecting and defending in this afternoon a little bit, but um, protect and defend the space for newly qualified social workers, haven't you? You really, you invest heavily in, in CPD for experienced professionals as well because that's a really important part of the conversation but that protecting newly qualified mm. social workers to allow them to practice in the in a, a different way because they are different than you they shouldn't have to change to fit the culture of the environment they come into should they Catherine it's really central to uh, talking of um 
experienced professionals. Just another shout out for Amina, who will now be running past the Crucible uh, as she's listening to us on her way down to Bramall Lane. I'm just, I don't know, I'm just thinking of all places in Sheffield that I've heard of. Yeah, she'll have gone yeah. past Hillsborough yeah. and she'll be on her way down Possibly, towards. Yeah. Is it the lead? Is this what they call the lead mill? The yeah. lead mill's near the station, Ooh. yeah. Ooh, the lead mill's yeah. a great venue. Go on, keep going, I mean. It's, um, it's always the waterfall. Sorry, Matt. Um, sorry, Mark, what, what were you going to say? I was wondering about your song. Is it John Shuttleworth? By any chance? My song? Yeah. Yeah, what's your song? Yeah, no, it's not. It's not what a is your song? My, my song's not a show. Are you what? ready for it? Yeah, yeah, go on. After, show, after forcing people to choose Sheffield. I, but I did it, but we've fallen into the we've Sheffield. Fallen into we the Sheffield fallen into the Sheffield. We have fallen into the Sheffield. I wanted to I wanted to choose something a bit uh, different from Sheffield. Well, this band from uh, Scotland, which is just north of Sheffield. It's, it's near a, Sheffield, It's a suburb. It? It's, Do you know, the take... only other time that happened to me, I got sent on child protection training and somebody in London bugged it and they looked at a map and went, London, Glasgow. That's the same. And I got put on a train to Glasgow. I could have been in Scotland. I could have been from in Leeds in two and a half hours. Oh, I spent an entire day going for a two-hour training course. Well, brilliant. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. But, and I saw both coastlines. <laughs> <laughs> Newcastle, Cross. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Pen, uh, Penrith, Cumbria. Oh, Go on. So this band... <laughs> this band are... Oh, this, this Sheffield Scottish band are mm. um, Bell and Sebastian. Oh. And um, I want to um i want us to play um the boy with the arab strap because oh. um social workers tend to often know it um so every now and again it kind of gets tweeted and it normally gets quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of comments but there's a line in it that i, I really love because it just kind of reminds me of colleagues and um the fact that it's been so difficult and we know that how difficult it's been and yeah, our yeah. difficult isn't comparable to people who have really suffered but actually having colleagues around and having that buzz of being in you know as much as we can say well we're not really shouldn't really be office based the buzz of the office and um the laugh that you have and the joy that colleagues bring um i think we've really missed it. and there's a line in it which is um uh, which is about um the 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 chaos of trouble mm. and i just think um I just think it's that really. Uh, I miss that, and yeah. so and this song just kind of reminds me of everything that's that, good. That thing that you were just saying that, there, though, about the the buzz of an office and all that business—that's isn't that this? Isn't, yeah. isn't that this really? Like the that bit about just getting together and like, whilst we've been talking about social work, we've also been talking about loads of other stuff, and it just it gives you a sense of identity. It's about and ethical, and it's about the culture of practice. When you find a when you find that you sat amongst colleagues who talk cases the way that yeah. Ian and Rob and Catherine talk about people and humanity, mm. then there's a ethical nature to that debate and a testing of values, which is really central to what elevates it from good support work into being professional social work. Mm. Yeah. Yes. I was listening to the last one of these and I was driving basically up and down the M1 to, to visit my mum and I had that massive overwhelming like I want to be in a room with those people again yeah. really oh. honestly honestly I'm just like and now you're here you're thinking now me, 10 thinking, minutes and I'm gone <laughs> yeah. Gene o'clock never again yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. it's the first time we've met since March 2020 it is Ian yeah first time yeah so it, it is that weird mm. it was that overwhelming I want to be sat like we used to be, mm -hmm. having a chat, having a laugh, taking the mick out of Ian, yeah. you know. Because we used to sit opposite each other. We did. Uh, God. Well, um... Yes, call my life with a case of trouble, Brian, please. This is Bell and Sebastian. 
The shelter shop, comics and liberty takes a back scene, the cigarette catches. Said song, the smoke along. What did you make of the cool set in London? You're constantly updating your hyperrain with your ten biggest whites. She's a waitress, she's got style. Sunday back time could take a while She's got style Sunday back time could take a while You're the boy with the I mean, that's a 10, really. 
Bell and Sebastian, the boy with the and the live so. performances where they just get everybody up on stage yeah. is just um, just lovely. You, Catherine, you were saying you think that's the theme music to. I think it was used as the theme music for a Channel Four program a number of years ago called Teachers. Oh God! I know. Sorry, but it was it was good. It it was it was irreverent and it was it was a really really good oh, program. Those educationalists are the worst, aren't they? Yeah. Well, my parents are teachers. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in mind. 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 Put it in I thought we were about to go into a disc- <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so it could be the theme music from Teachers, the Channel 4 series. Yeah. It, it could have been. It could have it been. It could have been that I feature track. I can't Google because I've had to turn my phone off and everything, like professional, you know, recording studios and all that. Well, but... being professional, eh? Yeah, that would be a first. <laughs> Wouldn't it, Brian? <laughs> You're talking to the wrong person. <laughs> uh, safeguarding them. So, um so uh, the thing that I found dead hard about safeguarding and that bit about human rights, particularly the human rights thing, the thing that I found dead hard over the last ooh, six months is I like human rights and I like human rights based practice a dead, dead lot. I like it a dead lot. Book, yeah, apart from when you've then got to apply it to your own family. <laughs> you know, when you then have to live and breathe that yeah. with a member of your own family who's making not unwise decisions, but decisions that you fundamentally agree with and you know you should leap in and go, no, no, this is what's actually going to happen. But you... So I've found it dead out over the last few months about being, being somebody's son and then equally being a social worker, both of which would have would have sparked off that human rights thing. But I've got to be honest with you, that dilemma about my mum making what I would consider to be not unwise decisions, ridiculous decisions, and ultimately where that's took us, uh, but her absolute right to make those decisions, that tension between rights and... Um, and being a son emotionally connected has just been the worst shizzle I've ever been through, to be honest. What what I said to social workers quite a lot is about with relatives is we've got to recognise it. We've got the law, and the law applies to us, but it doesn't apply to them necessarily. In fact, it doesn't. Um, But I always say to people, I say, look, I... You love this person. I don't love that person. I'm a yeah. social worker. I'm coming into your life as a guest. You've been with that person for 18, 20 years, what have you, and you love them. I've, I've, and I knock off at five o'clock. You're with it round yeah. the clock. And I think, and I try and sometimes try to get to social workers uh, to see that when they're talking yeah, to relatives, yeah. to not be, this is the law and this is what you must do. It's like, just, we need to be a bit more understanding about yeah. what other people are going through. Um, yeah. But, yeah. yeah and I, I, that- that's the essence of social work and that's where safeguarding as it's as it stands at the moment particularly with local authorities that's where i think it's uh, lost its way yeah. i never really found its way um because i think that we we focus on the person who's done the thing yeah. quite a lot our role actually as social workers is 100 percent about the the person who might be the victim of abuse or might not be but it's our role is with the person mm-hmm. but actually we are drawn in every 
in very often in risk-related conversations, particularly where we think abuse might have taken place, we are drawn to the perpetrator mm. or um, the person alleged to have caused harm, I think mm. is the, the terminology, and we focus all our attention on on them and the thing that's that's happened well actually the thing that's happened for a lot of people is absolutely inconsequential mm. when it comes to the relationship that they've got with yeah. the, the people look people love each other yeah um regardless of the thing that's happened but our focus is the thing that's happened and nailing the nailing the person becomes the the overall um uh in, intention and we, we forget about the, the other person who was, mm. who was there yeah, I was thinking about um, somebody that we did support some time ago and they, um, they, it, it was just kind of thinking through and it, it, I, I was listening to somebody else kind of retell that story recently and, and filter it through kind of the lens of time and about how they now have interpreted and understood it. And this was an example of somebody where they'd, they'd applied for inherent jurisdiction of, of the High Court and the court had actually said, no, the person has capacity. Mm -hmm. And they really wanted to remove the son from the situation, but he wanted to live with his mum and it didn't mm -hmm. matter how we perceived or framed or constructed that relationship. Ultimately, they're a mother and son and he loved her and he he wanted to be in that situation mm. with her mm. and it's it's us kind of having the humanity to remember that if i was that daughter if that was my mother yeah i mm. would i would i would want i'd, I'd live it because mm. it's my mum yeah. and i love her yeah. and you you can't put yourself in between that no that's no. really important sense check and it's yeah I, ian <laughs> Well, James Mumby, where he said, he, uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but he more or less says, with any social work intervention, whatever we do, the result has got to be better than what was happening before we got involved. Otherwise, yeah. there's no point in doing it at no. all. And I think that's the thing, isn't it, with what you're saying is, is, um, is, it, is what we're doing demonstrably better? And sometimes, you know, you, you can just look and you're thinking, I, we see it with children, I mean, where the, the, the child being removed, they'd rather have a rubbish family than no family. Um, and again, it's back to we can't legislate for love. We no. can't. We can't. And, and yeah, sorry, I'm going yeah. off on one, Elaine. So, uh, you, you, yeah. you got me thinking. So, sorry, you can't. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the the key element, isn't it? We've we've had that discussion so many times about the the. We don't discuss love. We don't discuss it as a... It doesn't feel like a reality, and yet it's a reality for everybody out there. And abs... I don't care whether you believe in love at first sight. I don't care whether you believe in the love between a child and a mother. I don't care. You have to acknowledge it. You have to absolutely acknowledge it. And you can't just discuss it in some random, ad hoc, abstract way. It's a reality for many people. It's an absolute reality. And therefore, I think we should be having more discussions about it and trying to understand the logic behind it, if there is any, because it feels like predominantly it's quite chemically driven. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, attachment. So, yeah. the, so the, the really the only way that social work almost feels comfortable engaging in a conversation is to reduce it to attachment, yeah. and then you turn which right is on the edge of mother blaming activity, yeah. isn't it? Oh. That, which takes us right kind oh. of full circle back to oh, earlier yeah. conversations about women and women's role within it, yeah. and yeah. kind of keeping women in a space. I think attachment is right. I, I, it's such a pernicious way to look at. Yeah. It just is. And you know, it like, sucks all the joy that comes with the word love. Yeah. 
out of it, doesn't it? It's like and, you can be right, doing it. Just why do you need to explain that child's behaviour? Just let that child be a child. Yeah, you know exactly. what? There's nothing more glory. I was somebody was saying to me the other day about, you know, how you can't let children go out anymore and all that sort of stuff. It's like, just let a child be a child and it'll find its own way in the world. You're there to steady it. You're there to pick it up when it gets mucky There's and all that There's nothing that's business. more evident of that than this year, has there? So yeah. they, um, the worst that could have happened was those lockdown and the impact that it's had on children yeah, over yeah. the last 18 months. The way that the resilience of children on the estate where I live, the way that they turned the estate into a rainbow of colours and hopscotch games they've got chalk on i mean i've not seen chalk since the 70s no. they create the most incredible assault course out of chalk yeah, on all the pavements that's getting very just, ron manager for me is it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 i made a mistake i said to one i bet you're having a brilliant time being off uh, I, bet you can't, I bet you can't wait to be back to school, can you? It must be brilliant. She went, no, I've really enjoyed being off. <laughs> I just like told you to wear for. <laughs> All right. Yeah, okay. that's, that's um, teacher's we, um, for you, though, isn't it? It's a, it's a beautiful... It's <laughs> 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 ruined everything. <laughs> it's a beautiful conversation, but can we take it back to Sheffield and yes. give a final shout-out <laughs> our colleague... Who is hopefully I mean, at this who, point crossing Who I line. believe is running through Broom Hall, uh, Orchard Square, Norfolk Park and Netherthorpe. I've just Googled Blimey, it. that was quick. I mean, yeah. that's a flash I gone right there. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing sounds more Sheffield to me than Netherthorpe. <laughs> <laughs> it's genocide just on the outskirts. Yeah, which sounds like genocide, <laughs> doesn't what? it? Yeah. yeah. Grenocide. Well done, I mean. Well done, I mean. She has done an amazing job, yeah. Terry. Well. well done. Well done, I mean. Congratulations. And hopefully going to be with us for one of these future podcasts as well. Yeah, yeah which would be lovely. Yeah, which would be dead there. I suppose that's it then, is it? It's your song, Brian. You need to you need to play us out. I do need to play us out. So I'm going to choose. I do this every time, though. I can't keep it together. It is Sheffield related. It's Roy Orbison. Okay. So it's a bit like Sheffield. I'm going to play Blue Bayou by Roy Orbison. I'm going to dedicate this to Joan Mitchell, my mum, because it's the right thing to do. Wherever you are, mum, I love you. I'll see you soon. And we... What was the song called, Sammy Brian? It was Roy Orbison and Blue Bayou. And we... And we will see you all next time. Thanks for listening. Do you all want to say goodbye? But, um, thank you to Catherine. She's brought up oh. a sense of yes. something and occasion for this. I would love to have Podcast. We've got some amazing special guests coming. Um, so we'll see you then. See you later. Bye. 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 I feel so bad, I've got a worried mind I'm so lonesome all the time Since I left my baby behind on Blue Bayou Saving nickels, saving dimes Working till the sun don't shine Looking forward to happier times on Blue Bayou I'm going back someday, come what may, to Blue Bayou Where you sleep all day and the catfish play 
see my baby again And to be with some of my friends Baby, I'd be happy then On Blue Bayou I'm going back someday Gonna stay on Blue Bayou Where the folks are fine And the world is mine On Blue Bayou Oh, that girl of mine By my side Is through the moon And the evening tide Oh, some sweet day Gonna take away This curtain I'll never be blind. 